who would come one day. And so into that same type of world, not the one in 7th and 8th century Israel, but that same type of world in 1st century Palestine, a son was given and born into the world, the one who alone is able to meet the longing of the human heart that cries out for peace, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, the one who had been promised, the one who had come. But first we ask the question, what is peace? And we might say that peace is just simply the lack of military conflict. Now, biblical peace is far more than that. We might say that peace is just simply a lack of struggle or interpersonal conflict. No, peace is far more than that. We might say that peace is simply a lack of problems or difficulties. No, biblical peace is far more than that. Biblical peace has a much richer and fuller meaning than mere lack of conflict. The word in the original language for Prince of Peace is Sar Shalom. Sar being the, word, the Hebrew word for leader or captain or prince or ruler. The one who has governing authority over something. And Shalom, this Hebrew word that means soundness or wholeness or completeness. It has the idea of personal welfare. Shalom, the Shalom of God gives a sense of well-being. It's to feel his smile upon your life. And brings order to your existence. It has a sense of confidence and trust, even in the midst of trouble. So when the Bible talks about peace, it has this idea of the sense of welfare in all areas of one's life. My wife hails from the country of Belgium, and in her native tongue of France, French, they have an expression, il est bien dans sa peau. It simply means he's okay, he's at comfort in his skin. And that's the idea in this Hebrew word that we're at peace with the one who created us. We're at peace with how he created us. And we're at peace with those he created all around us. And so with all of that as a background, with the fact that the world cries out for peace and there is not peace. But the Prince of Peace has come. What did he come to do? What will be the results of this Prince of Peace? And the first thing we see is it will make us restful at peace with God. Restful at peace with God. God created us in his image to represent him here on the earth. But through our own sinful rebellion, begun with our first earthly parents, we have become separated from him. And we were born sinners by nature. But worse than that, we're also sinners by choice. We make choices every day, decisions every day to turn away from God's way of doing things. And we actually enjoy sinning because by nature we are sinners. We enjoy doing the things that God has said not to do. And because God, yes, is a loving God, but we do not understand the love of God until we first grasp the depth of the holiness of God. And the holiness of God must respond against sin. And indeed it does, as the Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 1, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. In our natural state, our reaction to the truth of God is to suppress it, to put it aside, to ignore it, to not want to follow it, to think we're better than it because we're sinners by nature and by choice. And we have the, a plethora of verses that testify to who we are truly before God. Romans 3.23 says, We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
Romans 3, 10 to 12 say, no one is righteous, no, not one, no one understands, no one seeks God, not one is good, not even one. And the result, according to Ephesians 2, is we're dead in the trespasses and sins in which we walked, without hope, without God in the world. Romans 5 goes so far as to say, we were by nature enemies of God. And so God was just in his anger towards us. He would be justified in sending us all off to eternal punishment for our sins. That would be what we would deserve because he was angry and wrathful against our sin. But in a way that is possible only to a holy and eternal God. While he was still angry with us, while we were still his enemies, he loved us so much that he put into motion a plan hatched in eternity past that would bring about the redemption of sinners. And that is the message of Christmas, that the Prince of Peace came not just to be born in a dirty cave with animals, but to live among men and provide for our salvation. And so as we talk about the Prince of Peace, we need to move from the cradle to the cross, from the crush to the cave in which he was laid, from the angel who announced his birth to the angel who announced his glorious victory over sin and death after his resurrection. For it all ties together as a piece. This Prince of Peace who has come, according to the angel, will be called Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. His very name means the Lord is salvation or the Lord saves. And the one whose name means the Lord saves has come to save his people. Why? Because we had no peace with him, because we were lost in our sin, because we needed him to build the bridge between us and God. And no wonder then when the angels announced his birth to the shepherds out in the fields, they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. God has revealed and is lavishing his love and calling sinners to hear his voice, to confess their sins to turn away from them, and to turn to Christ who alone can save. For those who are in Christ this morning, who celebrate his birth, who long for his return, now that you have experienced peace with the Lord Jesus Christ, this promise is yours in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We who were once enemies far away from God, through Christ, have been brought near to become his friends. In his grace, in his mercy, he revealed Jesus Christ to me over 42 years ago. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I was going to hell. I knew that's what I deserved. I was afraid to die. I was afraid of facing his judgment. And I heard the gospel call saying, oh, sinner, come and be saved. And I trusted in Christ that fall of 1980 morning to save me from my sins. And I repented and believed. And at that glorious moment, I knew that I had met the living Christ and have never doubted his presence in my life as he continues to work his salvation in and through me and prepares me to meet him face to face one day. Do you know that peace this morning? It's not enough just to be moved by the singing of children or beautiful Christmas songs. Have you met the living Christ as the Prince of Peace this morning? If not, 
Today you hear his voice calling you, even you, to come and repent. Do not harden your hearts. Today is the day of salvation. Cry out, say, oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I turn away and confess Jesus to be Lord. I want to know this peace with God. Don't delay. Cry out to him today. But the Prince of Peace came so that we could be restful at peace with God. He has also come that we would be relaxed at peace with ourselves. You know, a natural result of being at peace with God is being at peace with ourselves because he is the one who has created and redeemed us. Now, we live in a very interesting age. With the rapid expansion of technology, it's made things faster, easier, more efficient. We benefit from so many of these things. And I doubt many of us would be willing to give up our smartphones and big screen TVs and high-speed internet. They have improved the quality of our lives in so many ways. But improperly use those same technologies that were intended to bless and encourage and heal can become vehicles and opportunities by which we will continue to rebel against God. We experience that every day by the junk that flows into our email inbox. We experience it every day by the advertisements that come across the TV screens or show up in the mailbox. These advertisements and radio announcements that play upon our fears concerning our physical well-being. Images that flood our lives through magazines and newspapers and, and TV commercials of images of how we should look or how we should act or how we should feel. And this affects all of us. It affects men. They need to get bigger and stronger and thin out that waistline a little bit. And they need to do all these things so that somehow they will be what they're supposed to be. They need to be fixed. And society has solutions for it. It's the same thing with women who are told they must look a certain way with clothing styles or hairstyles or accoutrements that are all over the place. And somehow they are inadequate if they don't have this product. We're told that we're not perfect. We're told that our bodies are not what they should be. And the solution is simply a credit card number or pushing the buy now button. In the medical field, the fastest growing field is that in the area of elective surgery, where doctors are performing surgery that are non-essential to saving lives or curing diseases. They're simply about cosmetic purposes to somehow fix something that is imperfect with us. Think of how many stores are open, how many cosmetics are purchased, how many doctors are getting rich by playing off of the fears that commercials tell us we need to consider. But here's the good news of the message of Christmas. If you're in Christ, if you have trusted him to save you and keep you, then you can be at peace with God and peace with yourself. Because the God who created you is the God who redeemed you. And you can relax because the bodies that you are given are the bodies that God gave for you. Now, of course, take care of them. We show what we think of the giver by how we take care of the gift. But we don't obsess over the gift, nor do we worship the gift. We worship the giver of the gift. And we find that true beauty, true character, True peace comes from within as Christ builds his character within us. So what's the key? The key is to get our perspective back. The key is to have a God 
focus orientation in our lives. We're told in the word of God that when he created human beings in his image, he said it was very good. He tells us through the prophet Paul that he loves his people whom he has created and redeemed. And look at this, in Zephaniah 3, it says God even rejoices over his people. You ever thought about that? That if you're in Christ, God rejoices over you. And God's always good. And God doesn't make mistakes. And do you believe that? Do you believe that he is with you? Do you believe that he desires the best for you? We don't look outward for the standards that come from Hollywood or Wall Street or Washington, D.C., We don't look to glamour magazines. We don't look to commercials. Our standards are based on the word of God. And among those standards are what we see in Isaiah chapter 26. The promise is you, God, keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because this righteous man trusts in you. So trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. If we keep our mind stayed on him, And the gifts that he has given us and the joy that we can have in Christ, we will find ourselves being at peace in our daily lives. The culture tells us that we should have a self-esteem. I say we need to have a God-esteem. We need to focus on him, focus on his goodness, focus on his glory, focus on his mercy, focus on the lavish gifts that he gives us and see ourselves as he sees us in Christ. And how does he see us in Christ? Forgiven. Forgiven. That's why Christ came. He will save his people from their sins. How does he see us in Christ? Chosen, holy, and dearly loved, according to Colossians 3. He sees us as precious, as set apart for his glory. He has prepared us for eternity. Let God speak to you about who you are in Christ and turn aside from the lying voices of the culture. The best way you can celebrate Christmas this year is to focus on God who sent his son that he might redeem a people for the glory of God. And if you are swept up in that movement of God, the Holy Spirit, where you are born again and you believe in Jesus Christ, Let his words define your existence because he is preparing a great inheritance for all who are in Christ. He has already done so much in forgiveness and reconciliation and giving us a spiritual gift. So the Prince of Peace came that we would be restful at peace with God. He came that we would be relaxed at peace with ourselves. And thirdly, he came that we would be reconciled at peace with others. Think of how much energy is spent, how many opportunities lost, how much sleep is forsaken, how much stomach acid is produced because we're not willing to live at peace with one another. How much joy and love and fun is lost in life because we're too stubborn or too callous to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I was wrong. We're surrounded by a culture that says, put yourself first, be number one, do it to the dude before the dude do it to you. But if we're fueled by that desire to be number one all the time, to always be right, to never forgive, to never forget, 
We can be sucked into a vortex of revenge and anger and resentment that steals joy, that steals hope, that steals happiness, steals peace. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, when he came, he modeled for us how to deal with our enemies. Facing his enemies, he did not seek his own revenge, but he trusted the Father to set things right. He even prayed for the forgiveness of those who would nail him to the cross. And we who are in Christ then, who have a new identity, a new address, if, it were, if you will, in the post office of heaven, where we belong now to the Lord Jesus Christ, are called to apply that same model to those around us. And so the Apostle Paul reminds us, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Yes, that is a hard calling, but yes, that is the application of the gospel that God is looking for, for he has done that for us. There were two brothers who went to their rabbi on New Year's Eve to try to settle a feud that was between the two of them. And the rabbi got the two to somehow reconcile their differences and to shake hands. But as they were leaving, the rabbi said, I want you to make a wish for the other brother. And so the first brother turned to the second brother and said, I wish for you what you wish for me. And at that, the second brother threw up his hands and said, see, rabbi, he's at it again. The problem was not what the first brother the problem was the second brother had still not yet let go. We're often driven by wanting to hang on to whatever we think we've lost. And the gospel calls us to place it all at the foot of the cross and apply the same forgiveness that we've received in Christ. And so Paul says, bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. It is much more of a peaceable life to practice forgiveness than forsaking what others have done to us to set them aside. How did the Lord forgive us in Christ? Completely. Eternally. Fully. And now he says, go out and do the same. With the same forgiveness that you have received, apply it to others. That was not easy for God to do. It was not easy for Christ to do. Leaving the glories of heaven to come and live among us for 30 plus years. To live perfectly the righteous law of God. To be the sin sacrifice for God's people. But he did it. And now he says, as I've done for you, go out and do likewise for others. We can let fear... We can let immaturity, we can let stubbornness get in the way of experiencing the full peace that God has for us in Christ. But I encourage you not to let those things block what Christ wants to do in your life. Abraham Lincoln was president during a very tumultuous time during American history. But he said this, because he was known as a man of peace. He said, am I not destroying my enemies when I make them my friends? That's exactly what God did with us. When we were yet his enemies, through Christ, he made us his friends. 
that Christ came into the world to save sinners. He stood in the gap that separated men from God, and he bore the wrath of our sin, and he lived on this earth, and as he carried our sins and our sorrows, he also bore our sin and our shame and our disappointment to the cross. And he did all of that so that the Father would accept his sacrifice on our behalf and pave the way for us to be reconciled with God. The result then of the gospel overflows into all areas of our lives and into all the relationships we have here on this earth. It is completely to be God-focused, Christ-empowered, Spirit-led. It is all because of God and for God, but he still commands us to go out and obey for he is the Prince of Peace, and he wants us to experience peace. He wants us to be restful and experience peace with God. He wants us to be relaxed and experience peace with ourselves. He wants us to be reconciled and experience peace with others. Is he your Prince of Peace today? Let us pray. Father, we thank you that the gospel reveals to us that left to ourselves, we will ruin everything. But that's the good news of the gospel, that it's all based on Christ. So, Father, in our hearts and in our minds and in our wills this morning, we acknowledge our desperation and our need for you, and we fall before you and say, thank you for the mercy you have shown us in Christ. And for those, Father, perhaps within the sound of my voice this morning, that they still are not sure, would you open their hearts to see and to believe and to confess that Jesus is a good Savior who can save even the worst of sinners like us. So, Father, as we contemplate this message of Christmas, of the Prince of Peace, we invite you now to work in our lives in a new and fresh way to cause us to forsake wrong thinking to get rid of bad attitudes, to stop bad behaviors, but more importantly, to focus on the love and behavior and character of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, thank you for your mercy. And oh, Jesus, thank you for being a great Savior. As we pray in your holy name. certainly been a joy to sit under the teaching of God's Word and to hear these wonderful specials. Thank you again, choir, the kids' choir, uh, the Tone Chimes choir for all of that you did. And we're sorry that Jessica Kanachi, who was supposed to sing a special today, if you saw it in the program, wasn't able to be here. She was sick. Got some sickness in some of the choirs, too, that weren't able to make it. But we're thankful for everybody that was here today and thankful for all of you and we're going to close out our service and together as we sing so would you stand as we sing joy to the world joy
Delightful celebration we've had this morning. I hope you hang around and make a couple.